Hi, this is Sean Leary, and this is Quad Cities Uncut, uncut, unedited, uncensored conversation between myself and local newsmakers and people in the public eye. Today, we are doing something a little bit different. Um, usually, it's just me sitting down one-on-one or one-on-two or three with a couple of different people who are uh, politicians or artists or people of that nature. Today, I am at Ballet Quad Cities in downtown Rock Island. I'm checking out the studio, taking some pictures, and talking to some of the great people involved with Ballet Quad Cities and their upcoming productions. Got a lot of exciting stuff going on. Ballet Quad Cities has been around for how many years now? Uh, This is our 21st season. 21st season. 21 years. And it's one of the jewels of the Quad Cities. They always do fantastic performances and they're just getting better and better. And today... I know, exactly. They're like, yes, yes, thank you for all that flattery. So today I'm going to be talking to a few of the people involved with Ballet Quad Cities. I'll have them introduce themselves to you, tell tell you what um, they do within the company, and um, we'll talk about some of the upcoming shows. So let's get started. And Margaret, why don't you start to introduce yourself, tell us your name, your title, and um, what exactly that entails. Sure. Uh, you want to hold this? Uh, my name is Margaret King, um, and I've been with the company now 14 seasons. I danced professionally with the company for 10 years, and then uh, retired from the stage, and, and now became a ballet mistress. Uh, ballet mistresses uh, that that role in the company entails, you know, uh, assisting the uh, artistic director and the CEO, and um, helping to coach the dancers, set the ballets, um, many hats, different mm-hmm. hats that I wear. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> in the studio and outside of the studio. So I help um, with the artistic side and with um, the office uh, work itself and um, helping to uh, you know gain attention for our, comp- our company. I'm also the assistant outreach coordinator for mm-hmm. the company, so I work a lot with our educational outreach programs, sure. um, and which are uh, highly uh, rated in uh, you know, thousands of children every year um, that we reach out to and offer uh, uh, free programming um, for for dance and um, you know low cost uh, for children. And what's your upcoming production? Give me the dates, times, place, et cetera, et cetera. Um, our upcoming production is Defining Dance, distinctly Ballet Quad Cities. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be at the new Spotlight Theater in Moline, yep. formerly known as the Scottish Rite Cathedral. Uh-huh. Um, so that's just been uh, taken over. And um, it will be April uh, 20th and 21st, okay. so coming up very soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, two shows, both, uh, both nights at 8 p.m. And um, tickets are available at the door or on our website uh, and or you can call us as well. You can call our, our office and purchase tickets through us. And what is that number, Margaret? Oh, no. Three zero... <laughs> we have three zero You're so nine, comprehensive in regard to everything else. So. Uh, three zero nine seven eight six three seven seven nine. Okay. Yes. Now, describe the show. Um, people, a lot of times, Ballet Quad City shows have a recognizable theme such as, you know, Cinderella or Dracula, things of that nature. Defining dance is much more ambiguous. Mm-hmm. What exactly does it entail? I hear the music in the background as yes. the this rehearsal is going on. So, well, like you said, um, you know, when people think of the ballet, most of the time they think they're going to come see a story ballet, or mm-hmm. which we have that we have, you know, just did Alice in Wonderland. Um, but we also offer this program as a, an opportunity for an audience 
audience member to come in and see a variety of works, um, a variety of styles. Um, we find that you know our, uh, this is one of our favorites, uh, you know, favorite performances for our audiences because it offers variety. Our audience can sit there and and, and you know as an, an you know uh, an artist, you know you can sit there and say, oh, I liked that piece, or maybe I didn't like that piece, or I love that music. So it's a variety of music. You know, people get a different. Um, it's kind of a cocktail. LA, I should say. So you stick around to see a lot of different tastes and things that you know you might like, but you might not you know know about, and you know see different and cool things. Um, what is that like for the dancers? Is that it's got to be exciting to be able to cross different uh, genres and different types of dance within the same show? Yeah, I, that's something that's really special about this professional company. Um, that our dancers are, are so athletic and they're they're such great artists that they can switch from such different styles within a matter of minutes um and it is a challenge it is a great challenge i remember even as being a you know being a dancer and having to go back and forth between styles and and music um however they are pros um and of course this is the end of the season they're at their strongest and um uh they're very intelligent you know artists so they um i think that this is uh, one of the great challenges that they they enjoy mm-hmm. about dance and about being in this company and being a part of this community um what's the new spot like like have you guys gotten in there and gotten to check out what they've been do- doing with it no, i i personally haven't been in there i know um jody cook has been in communication with them quite a bit so i'm i'm anxious to see what the changes will be within the spotlight so. me too that's why i asked yeah. and i don't know <laughs> thanks we, margaret I mean, geez well, it's, it's i'll have to ask so jody new, I suppose. And we're you know we're the first ones to go in there really you uh-huh. know um actually i believe we're you know they, they haven't even had their grand opening and we're kind of right. you know we've been in that building for oh i don't you'll have to ask jody i don't know how many years now mm-hmm. um and uh, quite a few years so that's been our home and um we've we've done many performances there two times a season so you know now we're just partnering up with a, a new team and mm-hmm. see how it goes what was it like to switch from um, now when you were performing? Did you do a lot of behind the scenes stuff as well, or was it kind of um, different to switch more to you know behind the scenes work? Um, I was while I was probably the last three years of my performance career. I was already doing quite a bit of, of work behind the scenes. I was uh, helping to run rehearsals and and um, helping Courtney Line, the artistic director, uh, with classes and coaching and, and choreography. And um, so it wasn't a drastic, uh, you know, plunge into a new um, position. Um, it was a gradual, and I just decided I, you know, my my body said no more. Mm-hmm. We're not going to do this anymore, and I wanted to focus on, you know, really helping establish this company and, and progressing it into the future in a different way. Mm-hmm. So. That's one thing people usually don't recognize or don't realize is just how punishing it is mm-hmm. to be a ballerina or to be a dancer in general. Mm-hmm. It's an incredibly punishing and um, athletic profession um would you like to talk a little bit about that what was that like what are some of your horror stories oh, or some no. of your like you know horror what are some of the, the the things that people don't really realize they think that oh it's just this these delicate dancers doing these little like you know foo-foo moves and stuff but really it's not it's a lifestyle mm-hmm. it, it really is um you know where it's being an athlete um your your body is your instrument it is your job it is you know what uh you know you, you don't 
you can't expect every day to be the same. You, know, you don't go sit at a desk. You, right. you know, your body may hurt more one day than the other. You have to be mentally on every day, mentally, physically. Um, and so, uh, it, yes, it is. It, it can be very taxing, but that's also part of the reason why these dancers and myself did, you know, what we do because it, it's the adrenaline. It's the it's the reward at the end of that. It's the performance and it's the the art form and sharing that. That, um, uh, gaining that relationship um, and uh, with with an audience, um, and and also doing those educational outreach programs, which we do a lot of in in this. Uh, so it's it's fun to interact with children and um, and to be their mentors and for them to look up to you and and to know that you know we have a, an actual profession and job in the arts and that you can you can really create that lifestyle for yourself. So. What's that like going out and doing the outreach programs and talking to kids? And um, do you have any stories in particular that stand out where you've made a an, particular impact in a child's life and it's really stayed with you or you know made an impact on your heart? Um, I do a after-school program <laughs> in the Rock Island schools. We do uh, it's called Dreams uh, Achieve Through Dance. Um, and it is a residency program we've been doing for four years where we stay at a school all year. Um, I give a free ballet lesson after school once a week to a group of children who've signed up for it. So they asked for it. Um, but they are um, children that don't necessarily have uh, the capabilities of, of, of getting those opportunities um, outside of school. So it's... Um, I have had um, my first two years, I was at Rock Island Academy, and um, I had some very challenging times with the students, a lot of bullying, a lot of um, mistreatment within the group. Um, however, by the end of it all, th they showed so much more commitment than I had expected, um, and uh, you know, they would an attachment um, not just to me but attachment to the art and so you know even years down the road I run into these students and they remember me and they're you know and they get excited and that really you know tugs at my heartstrings knowing that they'll never forget this experience and um I see posts about them getting awards at school and uh, and me wondering how much and knowing I guess you know that maybe right. that has made an impact on their education and made an impact on you know how they're going to grow to be you know, successful adults. Right. Well, I mean, the arts nourish the soul. And exactly. even if, you know, and that's one of the things I've always found repellent is people who don't recognize that arts belong in the school and the place of them simply because they don't solve, you know, within at least the, the feeble minds of the people making those comments, the pragmatic uh, aspects of education. Mm -hmm. But there have been studies over and over that show that the arts augment the, um, you know the the other aspects of education math um science uh language arts reading, reading. we have we have our our program uh, dance me a story um which is you know exploring literature through ballet and we we go out and we read you know to these students and then the students just like we do here in the studio just like we do with our ballets um like alice in wonderland we take the words from the page and we we create something together so it's not us just telling the students what to do they're using their own imagination 
imaginations to create a dance um, and then they're you know taking ownership of that mm-hmm. and you know they then they can go home and they can think well I'm gonna read this story and I'm gonna turn this into my own dance or you know show and so we're giving them an opportunity to to understand they can use their imaginations and that they don't have to always just sit and read but they can you know use that as uh, an outlet for something else I guess right which seems, uh, you know, that's one. That's another thing that seems to be kind of strangely pervasive inside society right now, and kind of poisoning society is the fact that people don't use their imaginations. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's part of the whole, you know, fake news thing, and and people not being able to discern and think for themselves is that we've. Uh, you know, not me, but a lot of people. <laughs> and then the society have become more of ingesters of mm-hmm. things. They sit back and they react to mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. They're sitting in front of a screen. They're being they told ex- something. They, they don't the information to be just handed to them yeah. in a way instead of actually, you know, creating the infor- like creating things right. themselves. Or engaging. Yeah, and engaging. That, and that's one of the things with ballet that's interesting is because of the ambiguities inherent to expressing a story through mm-hmm. body movement. Mm-hmm. And um, people having to utilize their imagination in regard to, you know, it isn't as if there's a straight narrative where somebody's alongside and this is what's happening now and this is what's happening now. You have to use your own mind to engage and create that relationship with the dancers on stage and fill in those gaps. Well, and and that's, you know, going back to defining dance, our performance coming up, that is, this is, you know, kind of an example of that. So what I was saying is, you know, we have so many different choreographers, styles, music. Um, to the you know a, a potpourri of, of different dance for you, you know right in front of you, and so you can go through all those emotions. You can have you can use your imagination and decide you know because some of this you know, may be clear as day what it's about, and some of it you may have to kind of dig a little bit deeper and and to understand what it is the choreographer was trying to to put on stage and and to. Uh, so it, you can make it your own, you know, mm. that's the beauty of art. You can like it. You don't have to like it. Right. Um, we don't expect everyone to like everything, but that's the conversation. That's the conversation of art. And so to go to the ballet and to and to just have those experiences, you know, it's especially in this community. It's, a, I think, a, a gem that, you know, pe- that we have this in this community mm-hmm. and that people can experience professional dance and, and these artists, these fantastic artists that um, are you know, just absolutely gorgeous and, you know, can can do so many different things that we never thought possible. <laughs> mm-hmm. True. True. Um, what were some of your favorite uh, performances and uh, what did you enjoy particularly about them? Um, as a dancer? Yes, as a dancer. Or, or on the other side of things, you know, as a dancer and also as someone, you know, behind the scenes, what have been your favorite performances? I, well, as a dancer... I'm I'm very sassy. <laughs> I'm quite dramatic. You don't say Margaret. I'm you know if you say Margaret, uh-huh. I feel like I'm in trouble. But um, so I I loved I did Carmen um uh-huh. and I, I I danced the role of Carmen. So that was probably my my most favorite role to ever um, um put on stage myself. Um and uh, did that you know a few seasons and as a choreographer because I also get to choreograph um, uh-huh. um for this company now. Um, I would say Rodeo um, is one of uh, my favorites that I've uh, helped to bring to the stage, and that's going to be in Defining Dance. Mm-hmm. That piece will. Um, we premiered it in 2000, uh, 
I don't know, 2017. It was just last year. I don't know what day it is. Um, with Orchestra Iowa. And it must have been especially memorable. Well, I mean, so much happens, you know. We've got so much going on. I feel like one year is two years. So um, I'm just giving you I know, I know. But, it's like uh, Margaret. So, I, you know. What should you prefer? Would you prefer Maggie? Eh, either one. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I have a multiple personality, Maggie okay. or Margaret. Um, but no, Rodeo is one of my favorites because it's it's uh, you know great music. It's great dancing. It's uh-huh. fun. Um, it's not in a, a large plot. You know, it's nothing that you have to really. It's pretty simple to follow. So, what's the plot of Rodeo? So um, you open it up. You open the door up, the Maggie. Door. Um, See, I called you Maggie. Yeah. That's to le- okay, make you at ease, so you don't feel as if you're being, yeah, as if you're getting in trouble for forgetting something you just did last year. So. Uh-huh. Um, well, Rodeo is was originally um, choreographed by Agnes DeMille, so it was very Broadway. She was a uh-huh. choreographer that was very much Broadway, and um, um, and. So I, I took kind of her concept because it was just so good. She she was uh, the original. I I never saw the whole, the entire original of Rodeo, but the music itself that was created just specifically for her, um, for her ballet, kind of already set the the tone. Um, and it's about this uh, lone cowgirl um, mm-hmm. that grew up on the ranch. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was uh, you know she just wants to be a normal. Cow, cow poke, you know, mm-hmm. she wants to help out on the ranch, but the cowboys are not necessarily accepting of, of, of her. Um, and so you, it's that cross between uh, masculine and feminine mm-hmm. um, roles right. um, on the ranch. And so not only does she want to be a cowgirl, but she also wants to love, you know, she right. has a, has a, a heart for the um, head wrangler of the, of the ranch. Um, but he, he, you know, has more of more the eye for the f- more feminine uh, rancher's daughter. So mm-hmm. you have the ladies that are more, um, you know, in their swishy skirts, and she's sitting there in her cowgirl boots and um, her cowgirl hat. Um, but by the end of it all, really, what it, it's expressing is that you know uh, she is herself. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she's not trying to identify herself as being, uh, you know feminine only because people expect her to be right. um, um, and she ends up gaining a relationship with the champion roper um, who who tends to you know see her for who she really is mm-hmm. and helps her out and um, so they end up you know becoming kind of buds by the end right. of this all so you know I've seen a lot of movies like this mm-hmm. and uh, I would have given her the advice of taking off her glasses and maybe letting her hair down because <laughs> yeah. that, that always seems to work in movies you know oh, yeah. is you have the girl who like you know is kind of tomboyish and then she all she does is she lets her hair down and she takes her glasses off and somehow magically she ends up, you know, right. Well, catching she, at the, the end of, this, of the of the guy in the movie. Yeah, so. well, at the end of this ballet, she she trades in she trades in yes. her you know her cowgirl look for the dress, uh-huh. you know, and she takes the cowgirl hat off, but she keeps the boots on. Right, she can't get rid of the boots. Okay. So, so it's yeah. kind of like you know she you know she has both the best of both worlds. Yeah. It's symbolic. Yes, exactly. Speaking of, um, there's kind of the reverse in terms of ballet, where the men who are involved in ballet are, there's, I don't want to say a stigma, maybe there is a stigma, I suppose there is. I mean, within schools and things like that, I remember, you know, guys who were involved in 
stuff like ballet or dance, there was more of a you know bullying mm-hmm. and you know of them. Um, how uh, you know is that addressed within um, ballet quad cities? And if you especially not so much at this level. But when you go out into schools, do you have little boys who are, like, kind of shy and they're like, you know what, I'd like to get involved, but I don't want to get picked on. And Mm -hmm. I think this is really cool. Because, I mean, as somebody who, as a man who grew up in the arts Mm -hmm. and who grew up as an artist and and musician and was in theater and stuff like that, I can tell you there is some bullying that goes on. (laughs) So because people instantly, you know, think that you're less masculine if you're involved in the arts. Right. Um, you know, it, it, that's a, a, it's still a struggle. I know I um, have that when I go out into the community with the children and I'm with these kids and I'm doing these outreach programs, I, you know, it's, it, I, I find that the, the boys are always the most engaging uh-huh. in, in using their imaginations and really like getting, digging into the context of what I'm like giving them as far as but, like dance me a story and these, the dreams program, like they love to move, boys just love to move and they love to, you know, be you know physical with their actions. But, but it is true. They, they do hold back from participating. Um, I don't think, you know, I, I don't know if that's just that, that hurdle is just always hard to get over. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's really hard to um, to get you know, especially our dreams program to have boys sign up for you know the after school because they they see the word ballet mm-hmm. um, and they automatically assume oh that's just for girls, right? You know, right. so we're still trying to figure out a way to really get them interacted. We've done um, more with our dance me a story program. We've tried to gear a lot of a lot of our stories more towards you know not just the princesses and mm-hmm. you know but trying to get you know uh stories that might uh draw in uh uh you know the boys into our programs and and m- more times uh than not when i have these programs by the end of it all the boys have taken over and the girls mm-hmm. you know they start out shy about it and then by the end of it they're really getting into it so i hope that with those programs they can we can you know maybe not today or maybe not tomorrow but it, it can teach them that it you know they have an interest in that that they should go for it and right. not necessarily you know when they hesitate at first and then by the end of the program they're you know full force in they might surprise themselves right. and 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 maybe someday decide like oh I'm I'm gonna try this out and we have a lot of boys in our school we've mm-hmm. had, a, had an increase of of boys in our school over the last two years which is really great right. and um, they get involved with um, like our Nutcracker and Alice in Wonderland some of our even our professional productions we put them on stage and um, along with our our of course our young uh, beautiful girls in our school as well so um, I, I see a rise in interest with mm-hmm. the boys especially Especially within um, the school that's you know affiliated um, here in uh, Rock Island, but I don't. Uh, and and with the company, it's hard to find men. It's really it's hard to find. That uh, hasn't changed because I, I know like obviously, you know the more knuckle dragging regressive aspects of society society seem to have come to the fore more, and I think people think oh my god we're going backwards but i don't think it's that we're going backwards i just think that those people have become more vocal mm-hmm. i think there are fewer and fewer people who are closed-minded yes and regressive and aren't open to Sorry. you know the idea of um 
gender nonconformity or people or the fact that people are just human beings and that girls can do whatever they want and boys can do whatever they want and what as long as they're not hurting anybody then who gives a darn about you know yeah. what the heck they're doing right. honestly i mean why should people butt into other people's lives if they're not hurting anyone else well, absolutely. but um despite the fact that you know this this small small and growing smaller minority of people seems to be louder and louder um i see more and more people seem to be more open-minded and accepting and changing their attitudes in terms of just accepting people for who they are i mean certainly it's changed a lot since I was growing up when sure. you could, like I said, when yeah. I grew up, I was in theater and everything else. Yeah. And, you know, of course you were instantly, you know, right. uh, there was a stigma in regard to that. And, um, you know, not that I and my friends really cared, but nevertheless, well, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's still, there's always that. Right. Exactly. This is, yeah, this is normal. This is what we do. Exactly. But our own community going on. Here. Right. And it was always fun. Yeah. And I, maybe they were just jealous because we were having more fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you see that more often. Now it seems like people are more accepting. And mm-hmm. it, it's funny, I was talking to friends of mine and I'm like, man, all the stuff that I got, you know, picked on for being geeky in high school now it's all cool yeah you know and now it's all, the kids are all like you know all the teenagers like oh wow it's cool to like like doctor who and like this and right. like that and all these other things that were once thought of as geeky um it's interesting you mentioned that you do, you are having a hard time harder time finding male dancers because oh, yeah. i would think that there would be more you know well it's, that not that involved there, it's in a it. harder time it's just um it, it it's just Throughout the history of dance, that's always been you know the lower population as far as uh, so. But the men that we get in our company are fantastic, um, and they work hard. And um, and one you know kind of going off, but the one one thing about this company is that we. It, are a smaller company, but um, we we hire dancers, we hire men, we hire women, all that are unique in their own way, um, and they come here wanting to dance and wanting to have like great opportunities, and um, probably more so than you know they would get in larger companies. So that this is. Uh, you know, this is a place where they can grow. This is a place where they can, uh, you know, experience different like defining dance. Uh, uh, Jody, you can join in on the conversation if you'd like. Jody Cook just snuck in and out of the room, so uh, you're gonna you're, a couple minutes, Jody. We're gonna come in there and hunt you down and, and ask you some questions. So yeah, um, you know what? And she left, and I was gonna ask the two of you this question. So thanks, Jody. Thanks for spoiling my plans. Um, how do you recruit your dancers? I mean, and, and um, do you have a kind of an open tryout process, or is this something where you go out and you look to recruit particular people? Would you like to j- answer that question as well, Jody? Yeah, I just thought you made me think about these fabulous photos from Alice in Wonderland that you probably haven't seen, so I wanted to show you some photos. Okay, that's right now, to date. We have, I think, eighty resumes from dancers who are looking for a job next year. Okay. What's your official title with the company now, Jody? What what is is it? Artistic director and CEO, president. What? I am the founding CEO. Okay. I knew you founded the company, but I was showing me pictures on a podcast. Just isn't going to be work. Just isn't going to work. <laughs> so we'll do that. We'll do that after. If you're listening. Try to what see is, the photo. Right. Yes. Describe them very vividly. Uh huh. Okay, so very deep. The right. there, here's a, right. What would you like to say about you know the Scottish right and the the upcoming show, Jody? 
Well, what I'd like for everybody to know, even though the Scottish Rite, the entire building, has been recently sold, Mm -hmm. the Spotlight Theater is in that building, and we are still going to be performing there. I think people get the idea because uh, it's been mentioned so many times our grand opening is May 5th that the building is dark now, but it's not. Mm -hmm. So we will be there April 20th, 21st, 8 o'clock. Outstanding performance, sensational dance. Magnificent lighting, mm-hmm. performance of a lifetime. How's that? Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't go after that, geez, I don't know. I know. So are you looking forward to the renovations that they're going to be doing, and how do you think that's going to impact the ballet and you know, and augment the uh, performances that you've already had going on there? You know, I really don't know. That It's been our home for the last six years, our home in Illinois. Mm-hmm. So we're at the Adler Theater in Iowa, Scottish Rite in Illinois. We found that theater six years ago when I think the only other major performance that had ever been in that theater was Scrooge. Mm-hmm. And I don't know exactly what happened. I don't know if they outgrew the theater, right. but they did move, and we continued to do two performances a year there. Um the people that ran the Scottish Rite really became our good friends. They Mm -hmm. loved having the ballet there because every time we were there, we did some type of improvement, whether it was the line set, the backdrops. We always left the place in better shape Mm -hmm. than when we came in. And uh, Sue Hicks, who was the last manager that I worked with, I mean, her closing words were, I hope the ballet can continue to stay here forever. So, I know, pretty sweet, huh? Sweet, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, they were our friends. Um, WQPT taped a show there and aired it. Uh, Iowa Public Television taped two shows at the Scottish Rite. And as a part of the first show they taped, they did a very interesting history of the entire building. So, um, we we have a history with that building, with that organization, and... um, we want to be able to continue to be there. So we'll see what happens mm-hmm. because it's no longer belongs to the same people it once did. And, you know, every time somebody gets into something new, they have their own dreams, they right. have their own aspirations, their own ideas, and those ideas may not match with ours. Mm-hmm. Time will tell. But for now, we're there. I would think that, I mean, if I were, if I, you know, had bought the theater, I certainly would want to keep you around, given the fact that it's a franchise and you guys have been established and you have an established level of quality. And, you know, really, when you're looking for, you know, partners within the community, Valley Quad Cities has got to be up there as one of the best ones to partner with, given the level of quality. I didn't say that, but thanks. No, I did it, Joey, but, you know. You could make the check out to Sean Leary. Your, your stock just went way up. I know the I know the stock market is really shaky right now, but your stock went sky high, buddy. Thanks. Well, Maggie, we didn't mean to ignore you here. We, Jody came in and we started talking. I've been talking sure. a lot. Okay, so okay. I, I ignore her all the time. Not really. No one can ignore her. Uh-huh. That's the thing. No one can. Is, is there anything else that we didn't talk about that you'd like to talk about? 
I'm trying to think if there's anything that we did not. We covered a lot. I think we covered quite a bit. Did you talk to Emily at all? I did not. One of our choreographers. Did you want to say hi to Courtney Lyon? Maggie, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Sorry to call you Margaret. I didn't mean to put you on the spot or make you feel as if you're being disciplined. So. Margaret sounds so sophisticated and lovely, just like she is. <laughs> anyway, no, they can't see the photographs. Okay. But before you... How did Alice go? Were you happy with the way it, with the way everything turned Alice out? Alice was sensational. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I heard a lot of good things about it. The only glitch was, you know, that was the worst weather right. that we have ever had in March. Mm-hmm. And so, unfortunately, the entire orchestra got stranded on a bus on 380 trying to get here, and the bus company would not drive in the weather. So our orchestra didn't make it to the performance, and we used recorded music. Other than that, the performance really was sensational. Um, I don't know if Maggie talked at all about the dancers and their, their quality as far as being dancers and ballet dancers, but they are also actors and actresses, mm-hmm. and they just sell these performances. They become their character. They're funny. They're sad. Um, they show so much of who they are as a person. Mm-hmm. And with dance, you know, so many people think it's all about the feet, and it is for a little bit, but it's really about dancers being able to show what's inside of themselves and their heart and just like an actor I mean just expose yourself to hundreds of people Mm -hmm. and this particular group this year do an amazing job of that how have you seen the ballet evolve over the years and where do you see it right now as opposed to you know when you first started and as it's grown well the ballet company now is I mean it's very sophisticated when I um actually started this ballet company 25 years ago. There was one paid dancer, $25,000, a board of directors that um, said to me, if you think you can create a professional ballet company here, we're behind you, but we're not sure how to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, so that, I mean, if you can imagine having $25,000 in this day and age and beginning anything, I mean, I think you can't do that anymore. I think it's just really almost impossible. So now we have a half a million dollar budget, 13 dancers, an awesome artistic director. You just heard from Maggie King. She is a ballet mistress. She does our programming. She can choreograph. She grew up here. Um, She danced with me for nine years. She retired. And she now has grown an entirely different skill set and so many times you hear um, you hear people in general think that getting into the arts you can't make money you know you're down Mm -hmm. and out blah 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 farthest from the truth these artists are smart they're intelligent their skill set is beyond belief and they make um They make awesome employees for whatever it is they do because they're just used to working so doggone hard. Mm -hmm. Cool. I don't know if Courtney's going to be able to. (laughs) Um, Emily, if you would like to introduce yourself and give us your title within the ballet company, that would be fantastic. Of course. My name is Emily Kate Long. This is my ninth season with Ballet Quad Cities. I danced for eight and this season I have been doing kind of a mix of everything dancing choreographing um, staging some things uh-huh. and 
laughing with us. Laughing a lot. Lots of laughing. I noticed you working diligently on your laptop as I was talking to Maggie. What were you working on? I am also a full-time student at Scott Community oh, College. Okay. That's was That was my fall, and then in the spring I came back. And I was hoping to introduce some new thing about the ballet or something, but that's great, too. Just, just continuing to grow my brain. Okay. That's always good. That's always good, Emily. Um, so what um, do you like about this show? And we were talking about the fact that it has a lot of different styles of dance. <clears throat> and not that other shows don't have different styles within the narrative, but this specifically highlights different styles of dance. How did you choose or help choose um, the different styles and what went into that thought process? Thank you, Jody. Thank you. I need to yeah. slide you a check for that one. <laughs> so, big picture, I mean, as far as the whole production, it's sort of a matter of figuring out a good balance mm -hmm. as far as the look of each piece, the mood, so it's not a bunch of really sugary, energetic things or a bunch of really serious things. Um, mm -hmm. But for the piece that I created in particular, um, I wanted to try my hand at comedy because it's something that's really difficult to do well mm -hmm. and to do effectively. Right. Um, and it isn't something that I have attempted really in a focused way before as a whole piece. Um, so my initial concept really broadly was classical music with a non-classical approach, which ended up being sneakers um, and like a movement vocabulary that you would see in a gym more likely than in a ballet uh -huh. studio um, with a bunch of really great dance movement thrown in. And it started out as one piece, mm -hmm. um, a Strauss waltz. And then I started thinking about it a little bit more and pitched the idea to Jody of, well, what if I did it as a three-parter, a beginning, a middle, and end, mm -hmm. um, just to make it a little bit more well-rounded. Um, and so it took a little bit of searching and scribbling to figure out what the vocabulary was going to be or what I even was trying to do to like get a narrow a focus down for the piece. Um, but it's coming along really well. Cool. Yeah, you don't really think of comedy in terms of dance. Usually when people think of ballet, they think of something really serious or austere. But, um, yeah, I mean, immediately when you said that, I thought of, like, Charlie Chaplin or Buster Keaton, people who were very physical sure. comedians, and, and used, you know, choreography and movement in a comedic way. Yeah, physical comedy definitely is a thing that has um, has a place in dance because dance is physical um musical jokes also work really well Contra i guess contrast um athletic movement to classical music um the element of surprise can end up being really funny in dance um there's a really great ballet or there's a really great comic ballet by jerome robbins called the concert where um it's a bunch of different scenarios. The subtitle is The Perils of Everybody, so it's just a bunch of really unexpected scenarios. But there's this scene where the men are carrying the women all around the stage, folded up like shopping bags or anything over their shoulders like a sack of potatoes. And then there's this entire waltz that happens called called the mistake waltz that mm -hmm. is one girl is always going the wrong way or one girl is on the wrong foot or someone has the wrong spacing or someone is on the wrong music. And a little bit they're insider jokes because every dancer has had those things happen to them uh -huh. um but it also is a thing that's really understandable to the audience of oh like one of these things is not like the other mm -hmm. um 
So contrast was what I decided to go with thematically. Um, so I've contrasted the costuming with the music. Um, physically, I've contrasted the dancers as far as numbers, groupings, staging, where they are, um, how the different parts of their body are moving because they're in sneakers, their legs stick to the floor, so we couldn't really turn. Um, so part of the challenge was coming up with a movement vocabulary that was physically possible um, and wouldn't be damaging to their bodies because of the amount of torque that you have in sneakers. Right, right, right. Um, when did you first get into dance and what was the reason for that? And also, how have you seen that evolve over the years? And now that you've decided to you know, step back from it, how do you see it differently looking back upon it? I mean, since you've just kind of stepped back from it, you have a unique perspective that's different from somebody who's been away from it for a while. So what's that like? I, I guess going all the way back to like, you know, how did you first get started? I'm asking you to like the evolution of your, you know, of dance in your life. Yeah, I know. Exactly. You know, let her think about that for a minute and just listening to your question, listening um, to your whole answer about really what choreography really is mm -hmm. about, I think um, I'm hoping a lot of people are listening to this because um, people This just is the number one rated podcast in the Quad Cities, Jody. So yes, there are a lot of people listening to it. That's good. That's good. I'm glad that $100 bill I put in your back pocket. <laughs> but you know, so, so many people compare dancers to musicians and they uh -huh. really feel like because they're they understand a musician is handed a piece of sheet music right. and so often they really think that dancers are handed choreography right they really don't know that it's in the choreographer's brain and mm -hmm. sometimes they don't even begin to process what they're going to put on stage until they get into the room with their dancers so it's totally different it's has nothing to do with musicians playing sheet music. Mm -hmm. So thank you for letting her explain the whole process because I think that um, your listeners will find it very interesting. Yeah, you know, I always like giving people kind of a behind-the-scenes look at things because that they might not think about or that they, you know, maybe thought about but they've never had the opportunity to ask the question of. And really, while you're sitting here talking to everybody about the Scottish Rite performance, which is... April 20th and 21st. Mm -hmm. We're also working on... I heard that it's eight, at 8 o'clock, Jody. It's at 8 o'clock. <laughs> and that people can get tickets at the door? At or, the door, or they can, or, or they can call 786-3779. Ask for Amanda. She is awesome. Okay. But we also are working on a piece to take to Cedar Rapids for the big Emanuel Axe Gala, mm -hmm. which is Friday night. So the dancers are working on that piece. They're working on a brand new piece that Emily is creating. They're working on a brand new piece Courtney's working on and Maggie's piece. Plus, what do you think all this is? Looks like a number of tutus. Well, this is all packed up. Certainly is costumes. We're going to be going and doing an outreach also this afternoon. Dance Me a Story, Exploring Literature Through Ballet. Uh, and we have done that program for 14,000 people in the last three years. So we're doing all of that, plus we're talking to you, plus I'm having... I just love how like you keep on pointing things out visually in a, in a podcast. 
<laughs> like, <laughs> what do you think this is? And the people listening are like, I have no freaking idea what I it is. I, I, like, I am. Look at these posters, Sean. Look here. I hope your listeners can enjoy the the view of these posters know, through I'm so, the. I'm just. I'm so miracle. Of, I'm so uh, visual. That's technology. why we have a ballet company. I am such a visual creature. Uh-huh. Um, but I wanted. I just wanted to let you know how diverse we are. In any minute, we're going to be having a potential funder come through the door, Eric right. Langman, uh-huh. to talk about recarpeting our studio. Okay. So all that's going on at once. Pretty cool, huh? <laughs> because, we cannot stay on task. <laughs> he comes in wearing a giant cowboy hat and like, you know, look at the pink suit that Eric's wearing with the giant cowboy hat and it's got a green mohawk on the top of it and check that out, listeners. <laughs> I'll do better next time. <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. I think it's funny. <laughs> so have you had enough time to think about the answer sure, to your question, Emily? Sure, sure. Okay. <laughs> Uh, oh. To recap, I had asked Emily previously <laughs> on QC Uncut. No, it's okay. It's okay. I didn't mean to drive Jody away. But um, I had asked you, like, how did you first get in a dance? And what? Um, how did that change over the years? How did your love for dance change and evolve over the years? And then um, now that you've stepped away, um, how has that changed as well? How, how has your perception of it changed and your feelings about it? I first started dancing when I was nine years old, and I got interested in dance because a friend of mine in the third grade was in the Nutcracker, and she got to miss school to go perform on a Friday morning. So truancy is what really <laughs> led you into this career. No lie. Please don't tell my mom. Uh, um, no, and then I really just fell in love with the discipline of it, with the process, with how organized it is. Um there is a certain rhythm and predictability to the way a ballet class works that just about anywhere you go, more or less, a ballet class is the same. You do the same types of exercises in the same order and the progression, just the organization of it really made a lot of sense to me um, in my training. And as I grew up and decided that this was what I wanted to do professionally, um, it sort of felt like okay the further in you get like see it through and um it became more and more exciting as doors started to open for me and you kind of just follow the path where it leads um and opportunities fall in your lap and you take them and run with it and so i kept doing that and doing that and doing that here um and i had never thought that i would teach yeah totally going down the rabbit hole. Um, I had never anticipated that I would teach, and then I was offered that opportunity here, which has turned out to be a huge part of my interest um, in this art form and the opportunity to choreograph. In 2016, Jody invited me to create a brand new Petrushka, which, if any of your listeners are familiar with um, dance or art history, um, was a huge monumental work in the early 1900s um, by Stravinsky um, and Diaghilev's Ballet Russe. So to be able to recreate that was... um, it's like one of the holy grails of ballet, um, and we had live music, and that was super, super exciting. Um, and that kind of just got the ball rolling as far as getting bitten by the choreography bug. And since then, it's been really satisfying to zoom out of the whole process because as a dancer, here especially, but in a lot of companies, um, the dancers are a huge part of the collaborative process in creating a work. And you get 
some of the element of some of the creative element when you're dancing in a piece um but you don't actually get to see it through from concept to performance because you're in the middle of it so there's only so far out you can zoom even if you understand kind of where the choreographer is going um so to be able to really like zoom out and look at the big picture of a work and understand what makes things work and what makes things more effective or less effective and that um has become really appealing to me. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where I am now. That's and cool. And still dancing a little bit too. <laughs> you know, I'm just sitting there looking at you. You know what I was thinking about? Do you what remember you the thinking, first Jody? time that you? <laughs> <laughs> what were you thinking, Jody? <laughs> Is it something you're going to have to describe to our listeners? I was just sitting there looking at you, Sean. No, do you remember the first time we met? Do you remember? You were hired by the no. artist. I, I remember that. Bill yeah. McElwain. Do you know how, how young were you? You were like 12. I was. I was 12, yes. <laughs> Thank you, Joan. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> I, had, I did start writing professionally when I was 11, so yeah. I know, but I, re- I was just... Soon after, when I was a 12-year-old, I, I hadn't even started shaving, and I was already hired at the yard. I started thinking about that. It was really difficult way back when to kind of articulate and get you to really think about professional dance in the Quad Cities. Uh-huh. You don't remember that? Uh-huh. Yes or no? I don't remember it, but it's probably right. It is correct. Uh-huh. Anyway, so it's kind of funny. Here you are. I was just a young punk, Jody. You were a punk. I came back to the office and I said, man, that Sean Leary's nothing but a punk. He's never going to get this. <laughs> and all of a sudden, here you're sitting here today and you get it. <laughs> I've matured, Jody. I, yes, I was. I was, a, I was a young little punk. I was. I was just out of a punk band, too, when I just started. So, yeah, I wasn't too far off. Anyway, I think that is funny. That's what I was thinking about. You never know what's going on in somebody's brain, do you? People evolve, Jody. Yes. Hopefully they do. Hopefully. Great job of maturing. Let's not say evolve because that reminds me of a chimpanzee. So let's. (laughs) I was a little higher than ape when I first started at the Argus. This is crazy. I feel Uh like I'm doing Saturday Night Live. This is totally went all over the place. But I would like for you to speak to a couple of our dancers. Okay, sure. Sure. Sounds good. Okay. Let's go find a couple of the the dancers that we're going to be speaking to. Since, Since it's a completely unedited, uncut podcast. I'm holding the microphone here as we are going in to speak to some of the dancers. Or if we have some of the... I'll never... I don't cut anything. That's why if you say anything, I always tell people, you know, it's going to go. It's going to roll. Courtney? Okay. 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 Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I will. I will look at those. Right. I will look at those after after I'm off, you know, off microphone here, and I could actually, like, you know, I'll describe them though. They're great pictures of Alice in Wonderland, and I'm standing here with two of the dancers. Um, please introduce yourselves. Tell me your roles in the play and how long you've um, been um, with Ballet Quad Cities. Um, my name is Ashley, and this is my first season with Ballet Quad Cities. Okay. Um, I just recently moved here from Overland Park, Kansas City area. Okay. Um, my name is Nicholas Garlow, and this is my first season with Ballet Quad Cities as well. Uh, within the show, I played a core member in the fall scene, and I was the frog, and I was... I'm sorry, it's been a while. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, I was one of the card members. Uh-huh. I was uh, the griffin. I was... Um, 
we had the opportunity we had the opportunity to dance together on stage. I was a flamingo in Alice in Wonderland, and we mm-hmm. did some partnering in the second act. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in the caterpillar scene. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, with a small company, we all have a lot of roles and responsibilities for um, different productions. So there are multiple quick changes. Uh-huh. I know you had quite a few quick changes <laughs> as well, but um, it gives us an opportunity to perform and share different characters and different personalities on stage. How do you like um, doing that, performing different characters and switching back and forth? And are there any in particular that you find more challenging than others? Are there others that you just kind of naturally sort of like click into and that you really, really enjoy? Mm, And why? uh, With time, they start to click into place a bit more. I think uh, specifically with Alice in Wonderland, each character has a different aesthetic, like a different movement ingrained in the body. Um, And with time, you kind of have to put on the different hats with each section. After a while, they start to just like not necessarily bleed together, but become more natural on your own body. So you don't necessarily have to differentiate within them because it's already rooted in the movement. Mm Mm-hmm. And especially nowadays, just in arts in general, you have to be a versatile dancer to be successful. Um, You look at different companies, different shows, um, all throughout the world, you have to be able to switch back and forth between contemporary, classic, um, all the different sorts. So it is challenging um, as a dancer to have to switch between roles, but it's also very rewarding. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are um, roles that you might gravitate towards more initially, but like Nick had said, once you are in that rehearsal process, you can find different things that are more distinct about each character Mm -hmm. so then that does become more natural and you can develop those the way they walk the way they move in between transitions not just within the actual movement itself but how you characterize each separate person Mm -hmm. i've never directed or choreographed a dance but i've directed a number of shows i've directed a number of plays and directed a movie and stuff like that um had you ever done theater before and how does that compare also within when i've directed shows there's been a lot of collaboration in regard to what if the actor comes up with an idea mm-hmm. well let's try it and let's go with it and see if it works mm-hmm. then it's always in service of their performance if somebody comes up with something good we all look good mm-hmm. um how has it been like for you as dancers in general, not just with Ballet Quad Cities, but in general, how uh, much have you felt a part of the collaborative process, mm-hmm. and how much do you feel like um, you've been directed, mm-hmm. so to speak? Uh, well, we both graduated from college this past 2017, so I think it depends on the directorship. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're a student, I think... Um, there's a bit more leeway in in what ends up happening. But uh, here we're lucky enough to have some sort of a say. I think it's a bit of a collaborative process. Obviously, Courtney has the end result, um, and she kind of like tailors and shapes everything to uh, make it like a professional product. Uh, But we do get to um, mess around in the studio and help generate ideas and create things. Uh, I think in that sense, like you mentioned, it it can help to amplify the end result. but there is somebody kind of shaping the whole product. Right, right. Yeah. And within theater, comparing to dance, the only difference I would say that, like, drastically changes for me is is specifically about the face. I think we have, like, the entire body as right. the tool here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are a lot m- there's a lot more focus on 
the the reactions and the cause and effect of what you're making with your actual face as mm-hmm. opposed to with the whole body. So that is a bit more stressful for me. I'm not going to lie. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. People are just staring at this part of you as right. opposed to the whole the whole subject. That's like the difference between film acting and stage acting, where yeah. you're stage acting, it's your whole body, uh-huh. and you've got to have a bigger performance. Whereas in film acting, you can't have that. It's more subdued. People will like get uh, you know anxious if you're in a film and you're acting like the, you would on stage, uh-huh. you know, because yeah, yeah, everything's yeah. so big. That makes sense. So it is. You've got to subdue it a little mm-hmm. bit more. So it's interesting that you mentioned that because there is that parallel in mm-hmm. regard to your face and the body and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm sorry I didn't let you No, the that's question. okay. <laughs> um, I did a little bit of theater growing up when I was younger, but I was told to lip sync because I did not have the voice for it. So I was just the dancer part. But um, we've had opportunities here at Ballet Quasities as well. Um, our production of Dracula was televised by Iowa Public Television. Mm-hmm. And so as we had talked before, too, we have to portray everything with our bodies but then there were angles of mm. close-ups of faces, close-ups of feet. So there is that parallel as well, how we have to interpret it and show it through our entire body, throughout the whole movement, and especially our faces as well for that entertaining aspect. Mm-hmm. Take care, pay a bit more attention to the things you would maybe normally slip up on on uh-huh. stage. <laughs> now, you guys just got out of college. You're in your 20s. Most people in their 20s are out partying and having a good time and stuff like that. Let's face it. Um, and I was going to ask some of the other... It's true. I mean, really. You, you mentioned me being a young punk and going out and partying all the time. You're right. I was. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I still do something. I was out till 5 in the morning this past weekend when I was hanging out with Scott and Brian and stuff. So. You're an old punk. You know, exactly. Yeah. An aging hipster. So, yeah. Um, but... Uh, you do have to, I mean, your bodies are precision instruments, and you really have to be mindful of that. How much does that impact your lifestyle outside of the theater in regard to, you know, what? yeah, everybody else wants to go out and drink until 3 in the morning or whatever, and then go out to Steak and Shake, but, you know, I can't do that, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh- <laughs> Absolutely, uh, I think it's uh, personal. It depends on the on the person. I think you kind of have to, over time, you learn you know what hurts more and what hurts less, and how much uh, upkeep or maintenance it, it requires to you know uh, stay afloat in class and in rehearsals. Obviously, that is the most pressing matter. Um, personally, it requires me going to bed way way too early mm-hmm. to have uh, much of a social life. Mm-hmm. So I. I can give you maybe like one night out every couple weekends, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, it takes a lot of discipline, um, and you have to know um, your limits as well your your physical limits, your emotional limits, um, and it is important to take breaks as well. I know a lot of dancers do cross training, um, mm-hmm. yoga, um, Pilates. Pilates, physical therapy, um, gym. Just we have to keep that up. We have to mm-hmm. keep up the stamina and the strength of our bodies to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. But it is important that we take breaks. We mm-hmm. have to be able to let our bodies relax mm-hmm. take a bubble bath every once in a while and let every things night. yeah <laughs> ice your feet every night <laughs> what do you guys do for uh, recreation then i mean what are some of the things you do outside of um a ballet and i know it takes up a lot of your time it's a very demanding profession right well, um, Iowa in the winters keeps you a little yeah, <laughs> inside, right. yeah. but um, I love spending time outdoors, bike riding, um, hiking. I love visiting Colorado. Mm-hmm. Is that some of my recreational um, places? Yeah. Hanging out with friends. Um, Specifically within this past season, I think uh, there's 11 of us full-time mm-hmm. company members here, and we have grown quite close. Uh, I think 
when we do have time off, we're usually spending it with each other. Um, and then various people that are like, you know, added in through these friends that you meet along the lines. Um, but outside of that, I adopted a dog and <laughs> found a cat. What kind of dog? Um, a black lab. Maybe it's like uh-huh. a dinosaur with fur. Um, more of like a dragon. Not uh-huh. so much a canine. But yeah, that that's pretty much my whole social life is... Uh, the animals or hanging out with the other dancers. Uh, one of the things Maggie had mentioned is that there's a difficulty sometimes in finding male dancers to perform. Um, yeah, right, right. Um, have you found that to be the case? Um, do you think that's just in the Midwest and not on the coast? Or do you think that's the case in general? And um, why do you think that is? I mean, do you still think it's because there's more of like a stigma for, you know, that ballet is thought of as something that's, you know, it's more women dominated and things like that? Yeah, I think supply and demand is definitely a thing. I think that there are uh, many, many more female dancers than male dancers, um, specifically within the realm of ballet. I'm sure growing up, there is uh, that association that ballet's for girls, so guys kind of, you know, most most men that I know are professional dancers did end up starting later on. Most girls, I think for some reason, they tend to start around like three, some somewhere in the younger age, and most, most guys, it's middle to high school. Um, Everyone I've spoken to has loved it. You know, uh, they are incredibly grateful for it. I think also because there is that supply and demand factor, there are less of us, so we are uh, very much needed in in this art form. Right, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, and times have changed. And yeah. that's the other thing we were talking about is the fact that times have changed over the last decade and people have mm. become less... Uh, enamored of stereotypes and and a little bit more accepting of people just as human beings in general Mm -hmm. and they've broken down the idea of this has got to be for this gender and this has got to be for this gender and and I think people are you know becoming more accepting of just human beings get to do whatever they want to do you know so Ballet Quad City specifically has like an incredible contemporary aesthetic within I mean we have the technicality and the artistry but there also is this contemporary aesthetic associated with the movement um, which you don't find everywhere else Mm -hmm. so you can see guys partnering guys and girls lifting guys and guys lifting girls and vice versa it is not a one way street I mean it's the 21st century we had a male play the Red Queen and Alice in Wonderland, so it's it's pretty um, evolved and adapted, yeah. Right, right. And that's very cool to say, always, you know. Um, I always tell my son that. I have a nine, uh, he just turned 10. Um, Happy birthday. Oh, thanks, thanks. <laughs> and um, he wanted to grow his hair out long, mm. and so, because one of his favorite soccer players had really long hair, mm. and he had, you know, one or two people saying, like, you know, oh, why are you growing your hair out long? You're going to look like a girl. And I said, you can look like however you want to. Okay. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, only society's brainwashing that makes you think that girls dress like this, or boys dress like this, or boys look mm-hmm. like this, or girls look like this. Um, or that men do these certain things or women do these certain things and if society is going to brainwash certain people into doing that mm-hmm. well then you can break through that brainwashing and really do whatever you want and as long as you're not hurting anybody who cares what the heck you do mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Um, do you feel that that's more the case in regard to you mentioned that and that's it really fascinating is that you had a male playing the red queen mm-hmm. I've seen queen of hearts, queen of hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, when district theater did Jesus Christ Superstar and when I was doing my Verona with Tristan Tapscott one of the things we talked about yeah that's right we had the wild crazy theater in the town and we were gonna we were gonna have uh um and he ended up doing it after i'd taken a sabbatical from theater we were gonna have a woman play judas in jesus christ superstar and he did we ended up having a woman play judas and so i just thought that was kind of an interesting idea to be our drosselmeyer (laughs) 
<laughs> I think you need to be our Drosselmeyer at Nutcracker next year, Sean. We'll see, Jody. We'll see. I'm a very, I'm a very busy man. I, I, well, actually, I, I got offered the, in Godspell. I got offered the role of um, of Judas or John the Baptist. You pick whichever one you want, Judas or John the Baptist. And I would love, would have loved to have played either, but it's just a matter of finding the time to do it because I've got so many different things going on. <laughs> sounds almost ominous. She's like, you'll find the time for me. You will. I'll make you find the time, mister. <laughs> Don't call me Margaret. <laughs> so, um, do you, you know, obviously that's refreshing to see, like, you know, the different changes in, in society, the different changes in the arts mm-hmm. and the arts reflecting that. Um, how do you see that within this show? The, within this show, it's kind of a number of different styles of dance. And a lot of times the, the styles of dance reflect the times. Mm-hmm. Any art reflects the times. Um, in looking back and having the different choreographed sections of this show, um, how do you connect with each of those sections and maybe you know connect with the times in which those dances were created Mm -hmm. yeah uh, this show is really unique because we have all those opportunities um and it's different because of um the different choreographers that we get to work with the different musical styles as nick has mentioned there is a lot of um collaborating with girls and um, girls partnering men partnering Mm -hmm. women partnering um and we have some fun unique pieces as well that um, have a little bit of a secret and um, and can help engage the audience as well, um, which I think is important in order for them to appreciate like the whole evening. Yeah, I, I do think it's kind of like a, a it's like a melting pot of aesthetics. This particular showcase because it's not one consistent storyline; it is a bunch of mini vignettes here. So you. Um, get to see these stories like uh, unveil themselves and then kind of wrap up and then start a whole new story um and within each one there is a little bit of a journey i think uh like within emily's piece there was there is uh, a male paw that i ended up teaching ashley and then um so it was a guy and a guy who ended up being a guy and a girl and then who knows what the end result may be you'll find out if you come to the show um but there a little teaser there yeah. exactly <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i i do think that um Within each one, there is that that showcase the variety of um, physicality that you can't normally get from just those stereotypical uh-huh. roles of a man partnering a woman. You can't get the the same kind of height you could with two guys or with two girls. You can't get the same kind of extension. And I don't know. I think it just advances the artistry associated with the partnerships. Mm-hmm. Cool. Is there anything else that you'd like to add that we have not talked about that you find interesting and would like to you know chat about or present? So. Ballet has like been around for a very, very, very long time, and I think oh, Mama, each company <laughs> has like their own personal adaptation. You're losing your balance. I have a, so a, a dancer losing his balance. Uh, You're so excited about this. Exactly, Ballet's so old. No. Um, and yeah, I, I just think that like uh, this 21st century like take on it with Ballet Quad Cities is kind of like uh, sh- showcased what the evolution has done within the art form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. I think that that's a good way to end. Jody, how would you like to wrap things up? <laughs> Jody blowing up a kiss over here. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Follow that script. Jody, would you like to add one more plug for the upcoming shows? I certainly would. I go figure. I, okay. April 20th. 21st defining dance distinctly ballet quad cities it's just an outstanding 
performance. Um, it's entertainment at its best. I hope everybody's listening to this podcast because Sean's just asked the right questions, and I think that. Um, and you didn't even feed me any questions. It's just you know natural and. I know. I was nervous about this. I was nervous, but I had nothing to be nervous about. So I hope everybody feels like you know our ballet company a little better, and um, you want to get to know us more and more. Hey, please stop by here for lunch. Uh, tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, anybody can come for lunch, 12 to one thirty. watch rehearsal, talk to the dancers, get to know us. Is that every week? It's not every week. It's just before performances. So we'd love to meet you, and we would uh, love to introduce you to Ballet Quad Cities. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. And you didn't feed me any questions, for the record. You, uh, you, I came in here, and I could see the nervousness on your face. You're like, what is he going to ask? I don't know what this Sean Leary punk is going to ask. Uh, he's so unpredictable. And no, this... I like punks now. I you, like do, punks. you do. Yeah, I like okay. punks okay. now. Okay. I, I've also matured. I like punks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we we've learned a little bit about life and dance and a little bit about love, Jody, haven't we? we it's it's, it's been a feel good podcast. It has it has. Thanks uh, a million. Thank you very much, Jody Cook, and the rest of the folks here at Ballet Quad Cities. Thank you for a very very entertaining day. And I hope you have enjoyed listening to this podcast. QC Uncut, Uncut, Unedited, Uncensored live conversation with myself, Sean Leary, and various local newsmakers and creators. It's been a fun one today, uh, visiting with Ballet Quad Cities. Go and check out their upcoming performance. And thank you very much for listening. I'm Sean Leary. Have a great day.